It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is September 12th, 2018. My name is Phil Prostenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. We're going to continue our Player Outlook series, but I'm going to do it a little bit differently over the next couple days. And we'll probably circle back around to a few of these players as well over the course of the next few days as well. Um, I was able to join Stephen Cameron of Close Up Magic on his podcast to discuss the Magic's last two draft classes. So we talked about Melvin Frazier, Wessa Wundu, Jonathan Isaac, and Muhammad Bamba. Uh, I'm going to do this as a two-part episode. So today will be part one. We'll talk about the second round picks, Melvin Frazier and Wes Awundu over the last two years, kind of what we expect from them. A little bit of the battle going on between them as we get set for this season. So definitely check out this podcast and come back tomorrow when we'll do the second half of this episode, talk about Jonathan Isaac and Muhammad Bamba. You definitely do not want to miss that. But before we get to the show, I want to remind everyone that you can check out Steven's show, Close Up Magic. It's on Nothing But Net Radio, airing Fridays at 2 a.m. Check it out there or check out the podcast on their feed. Just search for Close Up Magic and follow them on Twitter at the Close Up Magic. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, Philip, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to spend some time talking about Orlando Magic basketball. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's 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 that wonderful time of the year where where we can talk about magic basketball and it doesn't feel like it's some far off thing. It's like like only two weeks away. It's really exciting. Yeah, it's starting to catch up. My my emotions for basketball are are getting stronger every day. Um, it's 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 great because we have basketball or uh, football going on right now, and my excitement for football this year just isn't like it used to be. But you know, I just oh. Football's around the corner, but basketball's starting even sooner. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Basketball is right around the corner. I mean, it feels it feels like when, when NBA 2K comes out, that's like the official start of basketball season. It's like, oh, 
the season's real now. Like I can actually go try these teams out, see, see how these new teams look. And, and it, it took forever to download it. So I didn't get a chance to play my copy today or when, I, when we're recording this today. Um, but uh, the Golden State Warriors are going to be really good. I don't know if you know that. Um, they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty good. I, I don't know. I live in Oakland, and a lot of people don't talk really great about the Golden State oh, Warriors. It's, it's okay. kind of like a non-known topic. We don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I choose not to talk about. Them. I don't like to upset people in this area. I mean, I mean, they're 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 betraying Oakland, and, and I and I don't think that's getting enough enough play. But uh, that's neither <laughs> there. Yeah. Anyways, we're not here to talk too much about the Golden State Warriors. They get enough coverage with everyone else in the media. Uh, but what we are here to talk about is the Orlando Magic, and we. This, this show, this, this conversation I want to have with you and pick your brain about really isn't so much about the entire team. It's more about the freshmen and sophomores that we've accumulated over the next the, the past two years and what our upcoming future is like. Because for most of our veterans, we know what the story is. They're going to take some steps and hopefully in their growth. But, you know, a lot of these younger guys, we don't really know what they can be and really how they're going to contribute to the team. Um, at least maybe not the everyday person. So if that's cool with you, we're going to dig right into it. Let's do it. These are, these are the guys that uh, Jeff Weltman and, and John Hammond have, have handpicked to be on the team. And, and so I think that they obviously all tell us a little bit about something about what their philosophy is for the magic moving forward and what kind of team they want to be. And, and I think that these are players that, that they specifically and the Magic specifically want to see out on the court. And I think we'll see plenty of them over the next 82 games. Yeah, and it, it's going to be cool because, like, this is, like you said, this is the the beginning molds of the new front office era of Jeff Weltman and John Hammond. And we're in, you know, some of the offseason moves and, and trades and pickups and stuff like that. Like, we, you know, we're slowly, slowly starting to see what this light at the end of the tunnel is going to look like in a couple more seasons when they can finish some things out. And just talking about like that first impression of this front office, particularly, we're going to start with the second round picks. How do you, what's your overall opinion with this front office and how they have used the second round picks that they've had as either assets and draft, draft, uh, draft assets as well, because I, I have some things that I like about it, but I also have some really big question marks on how they value and use these these second round picks. And I don't know if that's usual for most front offices or if we're doing something different than everyone else. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think when it comes to second round picks, um, you know, everyone I think tends to overvalue the draft a little bit, which is which is natural. It's new players. It's 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 untapped potential. Everyone likes to mention the Carlos Boozers, you know, drafted forty second. Uh, Draymond Green, you know, those those guys that were drafted in the second round that, that no one thought could do anything, and they turned into something nice. Um, but really, kind of kind of at the end of the day, when, when I'm looking at a second-round pick, I'm looking at a guy that that's just trying to make the roster. If he makes a roster, if he contributes something positive uh, over the course of the season and, and into the rest of it and, and scratches out a career and scratches out a role, that is a good second-round pick. The reality is – most second round picks, what, what, maybe eight out of 10, seven out of 10, if we're being really generous, seven out of 10 second round picks are going to be out of the league within a year, maybe two years. So it, it, they're not destined to be in the NBA. There's a reason they're going in the second round. Uh, and, and if you can find that one diamond in the rough, great, but really you're just looking for someone that can come in and play a role. And so, you know, when I look at the draft, there, there, there are really two areas of the draft where I think you draft best player available no matter what. Um, certainly at the top of the draft when you're drafting the very, very best players in the draft, 
you shouldn't be worrying so much about position. Just get the most talented player you can have because that's the player you're essentially going to be building around. And it's, it's, it's very rare that, you know, you're not going to just take the best player there and just figure things out later. Because if, if you're that, if you're drafting that high, you need everything. You need a lot of things. You're not, you're not going to be set at a lot of positions. And especially with the way basketball has become positionless, you know, unless you're drafting a point guard or a center, you're not going to be duplicating a lot of skills. The other part of the draft that I think that you should always take the best player available is the second round of the draft because, you know, it's rare that you're going to find a guy that fits exactly what you want in the second round. And so it's best to take the guy that you believe in the most, that that you think has the best chance to A, make the roster, and B, scratch out a role on your team, no matter what it is. If there's a guy that maybe has a, a big hole in this game but has one really good NBA skill, that's the guy you take. The guy that, you know, you can see has a lot of talent uh, and, and you evaluate him really well, but just kind of struggle with the college game because the college game is very, very different than the pro game. You take that guy. So how, how, whatever your evaluation method is, I think in the second round, because you're just looking for a guy that, that can just make the roster and contribute something, taking the best player available is always the best path. And there is plenty of criticism to have of Jeff Fullman and his drafting strategy with this late first round pick from last season, as well as a second round pick so far. There's plenty of criticism, but overall, with his second-round picks, I, I honestly think he's taken the best player available uh, to him with the picks. Now, the maneuvering around the draft, certainly plenty of debate and, and certainly uh, plenty of question marks to raise. Uh, but generally, you know, I think they took some some pretty good players with the with these picks if they can develop them right and put them in, in good situations. Yeah, I've, I've been impressed. I actually really liked the Wes and Wundu pick last year. Um, I did too. He, he had a great opportunity last season with, unfortunately, the injuries that we had, but it allowed him a great opportunity. And we'll, we'll get into Wes a little bit more detailed in a little bit, And I re- but I really like him. But some of the things that I get confused on and just maybe not confused, but just don't really know how I feel about it is how they've added two second-round picks in that trade for Timothy Mozgov and Jaron Grant. And how they, like you said, with the late second round or the late first round pick last season, how they just dealt it away. And it sometimes, sometimes it just feels like they, they're not valuing them as much as they should. And again, maybe that's me as a fan and others just getting overhyped on the, the what ifs of the second round picks, um, you know, this year, not drafting a point guard in the second round um, when you the potential of trading up for all that kind of stuff. But that's, that's where my question marks come in. It's like, sometimes I just feel like they don't value those later rounds and even later in the second round pick as much as they possibly should have. Do you have any, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. And I I think, I think that's, I I think that's an absolutely fair criticism of this front office. Um, I think that um, they've generally done a very, very good job, but the one area where they've really struggled, and especially when you're a young, developing, rebuilding team, this is the one area you can't struggle. You've got to maximize your draft picks. These are cheap, young players that can develop into something and you can cost control them, uh, or you can just use them to kind of fill out your roster without spending a lot of money. So let's say, you know, let's say a year or two years down the road, you're in the playoff hunt and you're using a player on a rookie contract in a major role. You now have the cap room to go out and sign a, a bigger player or starting caliber player to, to to take your team over the top. And and I think you're right. That is a missed opportunity that's been here. And, and really, to me, it's not so much that 
the Magic drafted the wrong players here or, or, or didn't do that. It, it, it's just feeling like the missed opportunity. I mean, I know a lot of Magic fans when they talk about that second round pick, that that second first round pick from the twenty seven from the twenty seventeen draft, a lot of fans focus on Kyle Kuzma, which is certainly fair to, to focus on him. Although, you know, I, I think this is an issue we'll talk about later. Um, where does he play if you've got Jonathan Isaac and Aaron Gordon already on the roster? Is he going to have the breakout that he had with the Lakers? Which is a fair question to have, but I mean, there's clearly a talented player there, and it just seemed like Orlando decided to punt the pick away um, to, to 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 create this quote unquote mixture of veterans and young guys. And, and I agree. Well, I well I I agree with Jeff Weltman's assessment that the draft, at least at the time, felt like it flattened out. Like I agreed with that assessment at the time. That obviously wasn't the case because there been there were some very good players taken around that pick at 25 and as well into the second round. But at the time, I agreed with that assessment. I didn't have a great opinion of Kuzma. I thought he was a solid player, but didn't think he was fantastic. Obviously, stories from his workouts that, that proved that he was a little bit more than met the eye that, that you saw on tape. Um, but at the same time, that was not an asset. That was not a pick that the Magic could afford to punt because – they needed young players. They needed young guys to fill out the roster if, if that was the case. It, they, they weren't a team that was going for the playoffs. And, and I give Weltman a little bit of a pass because he didn't really know what he had on the roster. I take him at his word that the point of last season was to evaluate they had and kind of spin every contract forward and committing more long-term money. And, and while it is not a lot of money, it is long-term money, a four-year deal. Committed, not committing a lot of long-term money, I think, was a goal for the team to try and create some cap flexibility it's not a good deal. I wouldn't characterize it as a good deal. I, I wouldn't say that it was the right decision or the decision I would have made, but I understand where he was coming from. I think it was a missed opportunity, but not one to hang the guy for. The, the, the mistakes we're talking about here, especially with second round picks and mismanaging some assets there, they're mistakes, but they're not killer mistakes. And, and, again, and I think we should all know from the Rob Hennigan era, it's the killer mistakes that do your franchise and not those little ones here and there. My my personal little thoughts on it are I I think they're they've done a decent job with you know part of the drafting with them, but I think we'll see as the G League actually becomes more of a valuable asset and as it kind of turns into this minor call up system with the NBA, that's where I feel like in a couple more seasons we're really going to see teams in general take more responsibility with their second round picks so they can use them more of a you know, depending on how the development of this G League team, we'll see. There's still a lot of question marks on how it's all going to integrate together, but that's where I feel like part and, of and, the, and, the and, opportunity. And I feel is. like, and I feel like we should. It, it should be noted that despite the trades that the Magic made, whether it's you know trading away uh, a pick for in in that uh in that Bismack Biombo deal, or you know some of the deals that they made. The Magic still own all of their own picks. Sure. The Magic still own a lot of second round picks coming up. They've got, it looks like, three second round picks due uh, three second round picks due to them in the in the second round of the 2019 draft. It's actually going to be two because they owe a pick. They owe a pick to Detroit. Okay. Um, they're, they're owed another pick. I think in 2020, it looks like. Um, there are, um, there are are owed a first rounder actually from 2020. It looks like, although that's probably going to convert out. Um, but they're they're they've got their own draft picks. They haven't sacrificed um, anything that will put them into trouble later on down the road. They still have a lot of their draft picks. It, it still feels like 
Jeff Weltman is kind of setting the table a little bit for, for the bigger moves that are going to come and, and the vision that he really has. And I think really a lot of the frustration with Magic fans, and it's fair to be frustrated by this. Don't, don't let me take that frustration away from you. This team is just being really, really patient. They're not in a hurry to do anything. And, and while that, that sucks because Magic been out of the playoffs for so long, um, I think they have the longest playoff drought in the Eastern Conference at the moment. Um, or what, obviously the longest playoff drought in Magic history, at least. Um, they're, they're, still trying to, they're still trying to forge their way forward, and they're not going to rush into anything that doesn't make sense to them, and, and nothing's made sense to them. So they're kind of being very steady and consistent, consistent and patient. They're being very cautious, and it's it's – it's a good sign and it's a bad sign because for for me, I it, it's good as a, it's good to see them not making some of the mistakes that we've seen previous uh, front offices make. But at the same point, you know, it it, it feels so long because it's it's been so long. Um, but you know, you bring up a really good point that I don't think really gets covered enough in it, it about it being there. We haven't given away any of our own draft picks yet. I actually didn't realize that until just now. That's. That's great insight to know because I that 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 should give a little bit more comfort on some of those trades and how they're managing some of these assets. It's it's still kind of disappointing, but kind of puts a little sparkle on it. Um, all right, well let's get into some players now. We kind of already talked about him a little bit, but let's bring him back up. Wessa Wundu. We we saw him play a decent amount of games last year. He actually, I have his basketball reference up. He played in 62 last year. He had a great opportunity with how many players got injured last year. And my my first thoughts were how how well he played defensively. And just not only how well he played defensively, but his 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 on-court IQ on just defensive positioning and and stuff like that. It just it seems like he was a rookie and has a lot of growing to do, but I could see a lot of moments where he was making the right play and, and picking up the right man, which I sometimes don't see in even first round pick rookies as far as their defense that it, he just seems like a very smart defender. Am I way off there? What are, what are your first initial thoughts on Wessa Wundu and, and his first season with, with Orlando? I mean, a lot of what we saw from Wessawundu, I think, was was what was advertised to us. Um, he's he was a great defender at Kansas State, uh, a decent driver, um, but not much of a scorer. His scoring his scoring grew obviously uh, as he went along, but he came into the NBA. Defense was going to be his thing, and, and I agree. I, I think he showed um, a really advanced understanding of defense for a rookie. At least, um, obviously, he was in college for for three years. I think he was a junior when he when he left college, um, and so. He wasn't a typical, you know, throw freshman into the fire, you know, not knowing what he's doing. He, he knew what he was doing, and, and and he started his career at Kansas State as a defensive-minded player. He grew into a score. So defense always came first, and especially with young players, you usually have to motivate them and teach them to play defense. This is a guy who was ready-made to play defense, and, and I agree. He played really strong on the defensive end. That's what got him minutes. That's what got him on the floor. Um, But obviously – I don't think we can say he's an elite defender. Summer League, he showed a lot more defensive growth and, and showed that he, uh, I thought he was probably the best defender on the on the Magic uh, outside of the outside of Jonathan Isaac and and Muhammad Bamba, who are just athletic freaks and and looked like men among boys for for a lot of the, a lot of the Summer League. Owundu um, was a fantastic perimeter defender in, in Summer League, but my concern with him remains his offense. You got to be able to shoot the ball. Um, I don't have his stats in front of me, but I know he shot, I think, less than 20% from beyond the arc last year. Um, I actually just did my player profile on him 
on orlandomagicdaily.com. I looked in, looked a little bit deeper into those stats. Every single one of those three-pointers was was categorized as open by NBA.com's player tracking stats. There was no defender within four feet of him on any of those three-pointers, which is good. He's not a good shooter. He should have a little bit of reluctance to shoot to, sure. unless he's open. But even when he's open, he was struggling to shoot the ball. Yeah, Summer League didn't alleviate those percent I have concerns. He was really struggling from beyond the arc. No, go for it. No, I was just saying I have I have the file up here. It, he shot nineteen percent from behind the arc last year, and yeah, he's he. Yeah, it's, it's he not was very good. hesitant. He threw down a couple of dunks last year. He, you know, he averaged three points, and uh, that that's that kind of brings up my next my next question about him is where do you think he fits with this roster coming in next season? Under with the umbrella of everyone being healthy. Like how did how does he make an impact with this roster and will he even see the floor? That's I think a really big question. Um that's absolutely a huge question. Uh because with Terrence Ross and Jonathan Simmons back and, and assumedly both healthy, those guys are both good defenders in their own right. Um Simmons has a great defensive reputation. Uh, you know, when he doesn't have to carry such a big scoring load, he he is a really strong defender. Uh Terrence Ross, I thought was key to the Magic's early defensive success throughout the throughout the eight and four start throughout the early part of the season. Um, his injury, I think, had a much bigger impact on the Magic uh, than a lot of people want to recognize because you know he wasn't scoring a lot, he wasn't shooting the ball. But you know, unlike Wesley Wundu, teams know to respect Ross's shot. He he has a little bit of gravity to him, and and a Wundu right now is just you leave him open and, and you let him shoot. You know, you 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 can help off of him and and let him just fire away to his to his heart's content. Um, one dude's going to have to scratch and claw for minutes. Um, you know, I think he's behind a lot of guys on the depth chart unless he develops into a point guard. But even then, you know, he's going to have to scratch and claw for minutes. So he's a guy that they're going to call in when someone gets hurt and, and, and plug him in, you know, maybe if they need a little bit of a defensive spark, he's someone they bring in for a few minutes, but minutes are going to be few and far between for Wessel Wundu. And, and, you know, while he got a lot of playing time last year, showed some good things, He's got to prove himself all over again. Um, he's got a guaranteed contract this year, so I think he's safe to make the roster, but he's going to have to scratch and claw. He's going to have to in his career to, to stay with the Magic beyond the season when his contract's not guaranteed next year. Yeah, it's I, – I, my, my thought with him is you're right. He's, he's going to have to fight for everything that he's going to get next year, and – most likely he will probably just be coming in if the roster's healthy uh, and, you know, blowout games, whether the good side of it or the bad side of it as a team. Um, I, I like him. I hope he gets a chance. I, it, we're just, he's just at the bottom of the barrel with our, with, with the wings right now. Um, I mean, I, I like the thing about Wes is he, he's clearly too good for the G league. Right. Like he, he dominated the G league he averaged what 15 points per game in, in his, in his eight G league appearances. Um, he's clearly above that level. The question now is, can he bring his defense up to, to a near elite level where he's a lockdown defender? That will get him playing time. And can he get his three-point field goal percentage up to 30%? If he can get that to 30%, if he's at least a consistent enough three-point shooter that teams can't completely ignore him, then he becomes valuable, then he becomes intriguing. And, and that's really, I think, the big goal for him this year is to to add to bring that defense with him and get that three-point field goal percentage to to at least a respectable number. Yeah, I uh, I hope he just spent this entire summer just with a shooting coach, just working on his three-point shot. That's that's all I. And, and, but all unfortunately, I un 
Unfortunately, summer league, just he did not look good on the shot still. I, I I think he had the ball in his hands a little bit too much. He was driving in a little too wildly, trying to do a little too much. Um, you know, that's frankly a pattern of the magic not having any perimeter playmakers on that summer league roster. Someone had right. to do it, and the one dude was kind of the designated guy. And that depressed his field goal percentage a ton. But his three-point shooting still wasn't good. His shot still wasn't good. And, and, and that was a very concerning part to come out of summer league. Right, right. Well, hopefully he'll get a shot. Hopefully he can get, you know, can prove prove that he's worth being on the court this upcoming season. Cause it would be nice to see to see if he's got something, you know, in a season, you know, if the season goes in the wrong direction and maybe maybe they do give him more playing time if the if we start heading in the wrong way. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, Let's move on to the other person that I like to consider a Wessa Wundu, Melvin Frazier. We drafted him this year. Um... I might have the wrong opinion and a, a wrong opinion on him, and maybe this is where you can help me out. For me, Melvin Frazier kind of just seems like another Wes Wundu. From what I saw in summer league, his offense wasn't that impressive. Uh, he was pretty pretty nice on the defensive end, but I was also just watching his highlights on on YouTube earlier today, and in college, he had some pretty nice. I mean, he's an athletic dude. He can get to the rim and had some very impressive dunks. Am I missing something about Melvin Frazier? What What's the story on him? Um, you know, it, I think Melvin Frazier and Wesley Wundu is very much the Spider-Man pointing meme, uh, where the two Spider-Men are, are are pointing at each other. Okay. They, they are they are very similar players, like eerily similar players. Um, both entered college as kind of athletic as as athletes who could defend really well uh as they became upperclassmen they slowly grew their offense uh, and and became more consistent offensively and and Frazier actually shot the ball really well his final year at Tulane um you know giving some thought that okay maybe this guy could develop a shot it's obviously still a major work in progress uh the the big difference uh with Frazier and Wundu is that favorite pet word that I can't believe it took us this long to get to length. Right. Melvin Frazier, Melvin Frazier at the NBA draft combine measured with the, I think second longest wingspan among guards, only Kata Bates Diop, who was a first round pick, I believe um, measured with a longer wingspan than Melvin Frazier. Um, This is a guy who it just naturally just has these, these hulking arms and his hand, his hands actually measured as one of the biggest uh, at the draft combine this year as well. Um, he's just got these physical tools that make him such an intriguing defender. We saw at Summer League that, yes, he can be a really good defender. Um, he, he has that potential. He has that want to be a good defender. That's how he views himself. That's what he likes to do. And, again, that's really hard to teach young guys. It's hard to motivate and teach young guys that defense matters more than offense for a lot of them. Um, but the question for Frazier is the same as a one-do. Can he hit shots consistently? He didn't at Summer League. It was, it was another concerning part at Summer League, but the Magic certainly can afford to give him time to marinate a little bit. Wouldn't surprise me if he spends a lot of time in, in Lakeland this year, especially with the one do on the roster. Um, but Frazier's kind of in the same boat where 
He's got a lot of defensive tools, a lot of defensive potential, but he's going to go as far as his offense will take him. And, and really that a one do Frazier battle, I think, uh, for whatever minutes they're battling over, because I don't see a lot for either of them. It's going to be about who's shooting better that night, honestly. Right. I I, I kind of just feel my opinion is, again, I, got, I actually get a lot of my information from you most days. And from what I hear from you and what I've seen online and what I just watched in summer league, to me, it seems like he's probably going to spend most of his time in the G League back and forth playing. You know, that's where they're going to send him so he can get confidence on the court. And it'll just kind of be. And, and to play. Like, honestly, yeah, honestly, like, like, let's not, let's not, let's not, you know, I think there's still this perception that going to the G League is somehow bad or no, a punishment great. of some sort. It, this is an opportunity for a young player to play when, like we we're saying, there aren't a lot of minutes available for him on the main roster. So give him time to play in Lakeland. Give him time to make those rookie mistakes. Give him time to get at game speed, to test out his shot, to, to get more shots, honestly. Right. No, and, and that's what that's, I was trying to get at. Is like, sorry, sorry yeah. and, it, and it did come off kind of a, in a negative way, and I didn't mean it for that because I'm actually super stoked on the Lakeland Magic. And but I, I love the roster so far, too, get, by the way. He's going to get most of his actual court time, and I, I kind of feel like the, the Magic will go with if there are having to choose one of them unless – unless it's just clear cut that he's better um, that Wes will probably get the garbage playing time just because he's got more experience on the court, but I could be wrong. Who knows? I'm not the expert by any means, um, but he's intriguing to me. I was kind of blown away with, I didn't know how athletic he was. I was very impressed with some of his dunks. Um, he posterized a lot of people in college. And his, his tape, his tape from college is really interesting. He's, he's a great line drive driver. Like yeah. you put him in a straight line, give him a clear path to the basket. Yeah. He's going to dunk all over you. I mean, you're not going to expect him to put the ball on the floor a ton this year. He's not that kind of scorer. Um, but where he struggled was when he had to turn and, and, and put some dribble moves on you, but clear path of the basket, straight line to the hoop. He's got the speed to get by you. He's got the, the hops to get, to get over you. He's he's really intriguing as an athlete and just a, a physical specimen, honestly, because it's because of that length. And he's a lefty. I kind of like watching lefties. I'm I'm always a big fan of lefties because I'm a lefty. Uh, and and as Jeff Turner likes to say, every lefty is crafty. There there you go. So maybe we gotta maybe we'll see a crafty player when he does uh, when when we do get to actually watch him. It'll be great. I I know we drafted another guy in the second round, Justin Jackson. I. I'm not even going to ask you about him too much just because I don't think anyone knows. I don't even know if the magic know what are going on with Justin Jackson. So let's, do you have, before we move on to the first rounders of the last couple of years, do you have any last thoughts on Wes Wundu and Melvin Frazier and really just kind of like maybe what their floors and ceilings can be on? I mean, I mean, like obviously, I mean, obviously both players spent some time in college, so it's not like they're not going to continue to grow. They're still like 21, 22-ish. Yeah. They're still going to continue to get better. They're still going to continue to grow, but um, certainly you you wonder just how much better they're going to get, especially with their shot, because you know shooting, yeah, you can get better with it and, and, and certainly make improvements, but um, at this stage, you've got to find a role. You've got to fit into a role, and you've got to play your role to, to, get, to get playing time, and, and this is a team – that still has a lot of veterans and, and still has um, a lot of people in front of them who deserve playing time and who are better than them. Um, so until that's cleared out, they're going to be scratching for minutes. I, I see them both potentially as, as being those kind of three, uh, not three and D guys, because they obviously struggle from three, 
but you know, you're, you're not as, maybe not as good as Marcus Smart, but kind of your Marcus Smart type where he's just kind of your designated defender off the bench. And that's a fine role. And, and honestly, I think the Magic can really only afford to keep one of them right. um, in the long term. Right now, it's fine to have both. Even let, let's say the Magic trade Terrence Ross over, you know, at the deadline or something, and do something else with Jonathan. You know, do something else with Jonathan Simmons, and you have both of them on the roster next year to kind of platoon that spot. That's fine too. I don't mind that mind that at all either. Um, I think they're both capable of playing, um, and getting minutes and, and fighting for those minutes. But are they going to be much more than reserve role players? That part I think is yet to be written, but not looking like they'll be much more than that. Yeah, I I don't envision either. None of typically if I can, you know, I don't my my eyes in, is not a professional scout by any means, but typically you can just tell if someone's going to be able to crack starter type of rotation minutes and I just I don't see it in either one of them. Uh doesn't mean they can't be good contributors to a team at some point in time, but I just I don't know if it'll ever be that that and Yeah, and I think I think guy. And I think that's another flaw people have when they look at the draft. They think everyone's going to be a star. Not everyone's going to be a star. You got to draft your role players too, and and yeah. finding guys who can play a role, fit into fit into a role, understand their own weaknesses, and not play into them. That's valuable too. And honestly, I think both these guys have that. It's now about kind of making those weaknesses not such a big hole in their game. That's really what's holding both of them back. Not making their weaknesses a complete negative for a team on the floor. Yeah. Yeah, that's really, really what it comes down to with those guys, because they're they're probably never going to be offensive specimens in the NBA. My thanks to Steven. That is part one of our conversation on the Magic's last two draft draft picks or last two years of draft picks. Looking ahead to next season, trying to figure out what roles they will play for the Orlando Magic in the coming year. So that's Melvin Frazier and Wessa Wundu. Lots of good discussion there. The main event coming tomorrow in part two of this conversation as we talk about Jonathan Isaac and Muhammad Bamba and what to expect from them heading into next season. So definitely a lot to get to, a lot to get excited about, and a lot to chat about as well. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. You can find me on Twitter at philiprr_omd, and of course follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Well as like us on Facebook at Locked on Magic. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. Be sure to check out Steven's show, Close Up Magic. You can find that on iTunes. Just search for Close Up Magic, as well as on Nothing But Net Radio. It airs Fridays at 2 a.m., Fridays at 2 a.m. on Nothing But Net Radio. And of course, after that, on his feed at Close Up, at the Close Up Magic on Twitter, Close Up Magic on iTunes. Be sure to check that out. That's going to do it for me today. I'll see you again for part two of this episode of this conversation tomorrow for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic. This has been Philip Ross and Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic. Your daily Orlando Magic Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.